Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. BobKravitz.com is where you can find his work. And I'm assuming coming up a little commentary on the latest regarding the Colts and Jonathan Taylor is James Boyd from The Athletic is a report two to three weeks lost, according to Jim Irsay. Uh, Mm -hmm. with Jonathan Taylor having surgery in Los Angeles on his thumb tomorrow. Colts prepared for this, this time of year, 6-5 and in the the, uh, thick of things as far as the AFC playoff picture is concerned? What a great trade that was for Naheem Hines. You know, they got the draft choice, and they got Zach Moss. Amazingly, Zach Moss is still in the top 10 in the league in rushing, despite the fact that he's playing part-time the last, what, three, four weeks since JT came back. I don't think this is going to have much, if any, impact on the Colts as they move forward. Uh, These are all, really, they're all winnable games. Uh, They're not going to win all the games, but uh, I've had my prediction uh, uh, rights uh, revoked. (laughs) (laughs) After picking them to win three damn games. And now they've won six. So I don't know how many they're going to win, John. But yeah. uh, Zach Moss has shown that he he can he can carry the load. Yeah. The most important thing is you know how I feel about draft capital. I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. And I had so many people, you know, our draft capital bros telling me it'd be a good thing because Taylor's back to trade Zach Moss at the trade deadline. I'm not considering the Colts had any interest whatsoever. It's a damn good thing because now. Oh, now it sneaks up on you, and you really need it. And I would agree with you. You combine that with the schedule, you know, no quarterbacks, you know, who you're going to be playing and where you are, what's going on with other teams around you in the AFC. What a hell of an opportunity, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think about it. Uh, Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback they're going to face until they face C.J. Stroud in the season finale. I mean, unless you have a thing for Kenny Pickett that I'm not aware of, uh, he did have a pretty good uh, Sunday this past week, but uh, that's the first time they've been over 400 yards of offense in like 59 games or something like that. But you look at this schedule, now granted, I mean, the Colts are, they're not that good, but really who? Who's yeah. good? Who's good in the AFC? Yeah, yeah, Bob, I've said this before. Like, other teams are saying the same, same thing about the Colts as we're saying right. about the Colts and the teams that they're playing right now. I mean, it can go either direction. But at the the lowest level, I am glad because we're still talking about them, you know, right now in a postseason going into December, which is a place I never thought they were going to be and never. especially never thought they were going to be without Anthony Richardson. No, I mean, I thought initially that they they could probably win more games yeah. with Gardner than they could with, with Anthony. I kind of changed my mind on that once I got got a chance to really eyeball Anthony Richardson. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it is amazing. It's like you look at them, they don't have great uh, skill position people except for uh, Jonathan or uh, except for Michael Pittman. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good defense and it's opportunistic gets sacks and not, not a dominating defense. Um, you got a backup quarterback who's just okay, but you know, better than most backups, I would say better than all the backups and somehow 
somehow they've scored 20 points in 10 out of 11 games with this group, and they're 6-5. and five. And it, it doesn't add up, but they've figured out how to win these games, and uh, good for them. Yeah, the schedule, if you eyeball that, looks conducive to continuing to win games. And and we shall see as uh, we return. What, the type of job Shane Steichen has done in year number one to where we are in this season. What do you think? I, I think he's been good. I, I, he's done some things that made me uh, scratch my head. Um, but I think uh, offensively he's been very creative. Uh, I thought he really saw that on the fourth down. Uh, attempts the other day. They tried four fourth downs, made three of them. Um, I'm getting a little tired of the running the field goal team off, or the punt team off. And it's like, all right, that is so played out. I don't want to see that anymore. But uh, I, I think he's he's been a really sharp head coach, and I think he's just going to get better. Yeah, I'm with you on the trying to steal a timeout thing. Yeah, it worked worked on John Harbaugh once, (laughs) but I think the league has figured it out. Yeah, I'd agree. I saw where Shaquille Leonard is going to go to Philly tomorrow, according to Adam Schefter, I think with the Cowboys earlier today. Do you think somebody gets him to sign before the end of this week or at least sometime in the not-so-distant future? Yeah, I was a little surprised that uh, they let him out of Dallas uh, without signing him, but there might be more there with the with the health issue than we know. I hope he finds a spot, um, and I hope he's productive, and I hope he sticks it to the Colts. But uh, you know, I, I don't mean it like you know. I hope he sticks it to. I mean, I, I hope that he has. <laughs> That's what it sounded like, Bob. To be yeah. honest, well, with you. well I, I, I hope I hope for his <laughs> sake that he's able to prove to the Colts I gotcha. that he can still play. Although. <laughs> Anybody who watches football, you know, these last couple of weeks, you could tell he, he didn't have it. He did not have it. So I don't blame the Colts at all. But I, for, for Shaq's sake, I'd like to see him stick it to the Colts, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I, I thought that that was a cool moment on Sunday. I talked about that Very yesterday. Nice. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was. I, both both sides, really. And um I thought it was cool. I, you rarely, if ever, see that, or at least I can't remember a time when you saw something like that. So yeah, uh, you know, there was some thought that you know him complaining publicly about his role uh, had had some impact on the decision to let him go. But I think I think we're seeing the way the way this thing's playing out. I just think they felt like he had nothing left to give, and for twenty million dollars a year, just wasn't worth it. Wasn't worth the price. So. Uh, it's nice to see them be able to cut him and still have a good relationship with him. So Bob Kravitz, bobkravitz.com. You can find his work and his latest work involving IU and their coaching search. Um, I didn't read it in full detail, so you can give us all a thumbnail sketch of it and you know your interest in, in John Gruden. Why? We'll start right there. And is it anything feasible beyond just writing about it? Well, uh Excuse me, my voice is going again. Zach and uh, Jeff Rabjohns both reported, uh, and I believe they're reporting that uh, he's he's not a candidate. So I believe that completely. So this is really just a thought exercise. And my feeling is you've got a guy out there who wants to coach, who's not going to coach the NFL, 
uh, has had success at the NFL level, has won a Super Bowl. Yes, he said some really reprehensible, stupid stuff uh, in, in some emails, and he needs to answer for that. But, man, you know, you're IU. We're, we're not about growing men anymore. You want somebody to grow quality young men, keep Tom Allen. You want to win, go get John Gruden. Um, you know, uh, somebody said to me, well, Gruden was a 500 coach in the NFL. Hey, he was in the NFL. What part of that do you not understand? Mike Woodson was a, had a, a winning percentage of 483 in the NBA. I didn't hear anybody complaining about his lack of coaching ability. So I just, I just feel like uh, we need to give this guy some grace. He deserves a second chance. And if you don't want to give him a second chance, that's perfectly valid, and I understand that. But coming at it from my point of view, I think you got to give the guy uh, – I think it makes sense. If you're IU and you're the losingest program in history, you've got to take a big risk and swing for the fences. And I think that's what John Gruden uh, pursuit would do. Do you uh, think Pat Fitzgerald is ready for a second chance? I don't think so because that that went that that was a little more heinous in the sense that and I, I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying that involved the actual program, right? With 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 everything that was going on, I, I think that that would be an impossible sell. You know, with, with with Gruden and Gruden would be a tough sell, but that was ten years ago. You know, this is something that happened just what a year ago. Yeah, Bob Kravitz is ready to hire Bobby Petrino right now. <laughs> no, I'm not Bobby. Bobby Petrino is – they're looking at Bobby Petrino as if for the OC. Yeah, I know. I'm just joking. Bob. Yes, I'm, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just joking. I, I, I think all hands are on deck here. I, I don't really know to the – I just know he got fired for it, and I know that Northwestern's having a, a good year without him, but I also you know, see what he has done with a program um, that <laughs> does not have a storied history football-wise. And, you know, he's been over 500 and, uh, and five five wins and ten bowl games, I think. So, I, yeah, I everybody else kind of seems like a dime a dozen to me, honestly. Yeah, every everybody is six and one half a dozen of the other. I look at, you know, Kane Womack and Creighton and Chris, and they're all the same human being as far as I'm concerned. Um you know they got their uh, uh, their group out there looking, helping them uh, vet these guys. But yeah, none of them jump out at me. Justin Fry uh, from Ohio State seems a little bit interesting. Sharon Moore uh, at Michigan might be interesting. Uh, but I'd be lying to you if I said I've done a ton of research on all these guys. Uh, but I've done my research on Gruden, and I know that he'd be interested. No, you have now. You know that. Yeah, I read, oh, well, if you read my damn story, you know well, I, that. I said to give us a thumbnail sketch. Well, Jesus, read the story. <laughs> <laughs> damn it. I'll, send you a free, I'll send you a free sub. <laughs> it's Bob Kravitz who has the story. There'd be interest there if Scott Dolson oh, and company would give him any interest. No, none. The, the, I mean, look, uh, Rabbi and uh, Zach 
uh, know what's going on. They both said uh, without any hesitation that he's not a candidate. So, uh, again, it's just yeah. me talking out of my you-know-what. Nothing wrong with talking out of your new you-know-what because yeah, uh, we get three hours of that every day right here. It's beautiful. Exactly. It is. We get paid well, well for it. It, uh, it. it certainly is. I I have said this, and, and this comes – I had Dan Wetzel on yesterday, and we talked about it a little bit. And he kind of made the point. He made a point that a, a booster friend of mine uh, made yesterday, too. At at some point, you're going to see teams, you know, maybe not at the highest level like Alabama or Georgia or anything like that, Michigan, Ohio State, whatever. But these teams that are trying to keep their head above water at all, like uh, he's going to try to do, especially in the Big Ten Conference, adding even more firepower, is right. utilizing NIL um, – to the best you possibly can, which would mean, all right, if you have to kind of half-assedly pay a coach to come in, the most important aspect is what you're giving the players monetarily right. to bring them in. That that should be the angle that IU should take on this. Do you buy that at all? Well, I, I don't think you can cut corners either way. You want quality, you got to pay for quality. You know, and, you know, if they want a quality head coach, they're going to have to pay – uh, you know, not Tom Allen money necessarily because that was significant, but uh, you're going to have to pay for whoever comes in here. I mean, this this is a coaching graveyard. I mean, this is where careers go to perish, and uh, it you know everybody thinks they can they can <clears throat> they can make a change. You know, they can change a culture. Uh, so, I mean, there's going to be plenty of interest. I can promise you that. So, Bob Kravitz, bobkravitz.com, his latest regarding the IU coaching search and his thoughts on John Gruden is available for you. Uh, what in the uh, world did we have to witness last night with the oh. Pacers? I got people saying, oh, you know what? It's November. And, you know, you, you're you know getting everybody worried and there's still a lot of time and they're on track to win 46 or whatever. And I call bull crap. I thought last night was absolutely embarrassing and ridiculous. Really? And they have had four games like that on a cushy home schedule in the first month and a half of the season. They haven't taken advantage of. I'm concerned about that. How about you? Absolutely. If they if they don't make the playoffs for some reason, and I think they should, and I think they will, either you know playoffs or a playing playing situation, you're going to go back to the first month of the season and say that's where we lost it, because this home this schedule's been so home friendly the first month, and to be nine and seven and to lose to what Chicago, Charlotte. Um, uh, Toronto, Portland. Yeah, those I mean, are the four that I'm thinking of right there. And I, I think this is a team that's still looking for its identity. I don't think they know yet what they want to do with Obi. I don't think they know how they want to uh, roll with, with Matherin, who seems to be uh, um, in the doghouse half the time. Um, I, I, don't, I, I t- tweeted this last night, but I've just not seen the – overall growth from Matherin that I really thought we were going to see. I thought he was going to come in this year, be really solid, and put up a couple of 20-pointers, and everybody's going to say, there he is. He's, he's you know, uh, you know he, he's establishing himself. Uh, it hasn't happened, so I'm, I'm a little worried about that. Um, you know, but I, I will give them credit. They, 
they 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 sat in it yesterday after the game. I watched the interviews and uh, between Carlisle and Halliburton, they made it clear that this is not acceptable. Um, you know, it's it seems like they only get up for these uh, in in season tournament games. They're four and zero in the ISD. That's what I'm calling it now, and they're five and seven in every other game. So they make sense of that. <laughs> Yeah, well, and there's no doubt this is an up-and-down growing team, but my point has just been there are some, and, and see, I'm trying to get everybody to believe that there are forms of must-win games that mathematically do not account for must-wins. And I thought last night against a four-win team, the second of a back-to-back after dropping a 25-point lead and losing in Milwaukee that night before – and then just being listless most of that game with with shooting, you know, getting back, you know, they just didn't come out with any energy whatsoever, and it didn't get much better. Turning the basketball over as much as they did, that is not at all acceptable, and that's a tremendously bad loss. At some point, you got to make that up on the road against a better team, and you know, sometimes I wonder if they're capable of doing that. Yeah, I I think they are. I, I, think- I hope you're right. <laughs> Sorry, my voice is going again. The fact that are you going uh, through puberty? No, apparently, this is the same thing that happened last time I was on. <laughs> uh, Stop right. going. How many times you go through puberty? Like five or six? What's happening? Yeah, this is number six. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Clear that voice and take a shot at what I just said. Go. All right. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, I do think they're capable of going on the road because, I mean, when you can score the ball the way they do, you know, 125 points a game, I mean, they're, 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 the problem is that defense travels and they don't have any defense to travel with. You know, I thought they were a little bit better defensively last night. Uh, I think part of that is the fact that the Blazers aren't particularly good. But I just, yeah, offensive, what did they shoot, 24% from three? Yeah, terrible. Um, and too many turnovers. I don't know what the total number was. It, it was just a listless performance. I, You know, McConnell uh, played really hard, and he fell down a lot. But I didn't think he was as great as Rick thought, seemed to think he was. Um, you know, uh, Matherin, Matherin bothers me. Um you know, I, I just – all I see him doing is that old Paul George, how come I didn't get a, a foul call? Miles bothered me last night, play. too. Miles bothered me last night because of of what he gave against a guy where he should come in riled up as hell, considering right. what the Pacers tried to do with DeAndre Ayton uh, the summer before last on a, an offer sheet. I, I was very disappointed in what he brought yeah. against somebody that he should absolutely be fired up to play. I, I don't. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And hey, good on you for taking issue, poor guy. Yes. Miles and I, it's the other thing too, man. I was listening last night, and Eddie Gill wasn't screaming, but he was pretty straightforward about, hey, you know, Jeremy Grant is on fire here in the fourth. Can you do anything else? Like It took Rick a couple possessions after Eddie Guild noticed it to try to do something different. And I can't lie, that was concerning to me, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I Rick, Rick is a Hall of Fame coach. I'm not going to tell him how to do things. But actually, I will. Go ahead. Uh, 
Yeah, double team the guy. You, you took the ball out of uh, uh, Giannis's hands a couple of weeks back. I mean, they've shown that in short spurts they can play pretty. I don't want to say average, but slightly better than awful defense. I mean, that's the thing with this team, John, and you know it as well as I do. They don't even need to be okay on defense. They just need to be not crappy. Yeah. Yeah, and they and, 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 they, yes. and they're sitting there at eleven to thirteen wins, especially with. I mean, I just feel like this was an enormous opportunity uh, for them early in the season, and they blew it. The way that they play right now, rarely if ever are they going to win a game if they don't score over one fifteen. Oh, that's yeah. just the way that it is. Oh, yeah. That's just, yeah. I mean, look, they are fun as hell to watch. And when they're hitting their threes, they're unstoppable. But, uh, you know, the shame of it, too, is you've gotten an absolutely epic stretch of basketball from, from Halliburton, and, and you're 9-7. and seven. I mean, this guy's playing at an MVP level. I'm not saying he's the MVP, but he's playing at an MVP level. And you're 9-7? and seven? That, that, That's not good. they got to be better. I'm still... I'm still trying to fall in love with Bruce Brown. Still trying to figure out what the deal is with Obi Toppin. Yeah. Um, yep. That's I fair. I was really, really sorry to see Jalen Smith go down because I don't know what the situation is with him today. I didn't, I didn't check, but he, he has been playing lights out, and he's a guy they're going to need at some point. If he's out for a while, we may get a chance to see what Jarris Walker can do. Yeah, I kind of mentioned, and that's one of the reasons. I know this was more for him, just giving him a chance to go play. But I, I was apprehensive about them just going ahead and and you know buying out Daniel Tice, just knowing the history of this team, really knowing the history of this market, and knowing normally you need like twice as much backup plan as you normally would because of injuries. That was worrisome, troublesome for me, and then now you're kind of looking that a little bit into the face. But, it, I mean, I know that he wanted to go someplace else. He wasn't going to get yeah. the clock here, but uh, that did concern me, and we kind of wonder where this is going now. Right, right. So. No, I, I agree. All right, well, go ahead and jump off at BobKravitz.com as you're going to find his latest regarding John Gruden and IU. Read my uh, story, John. Read re- it. I'll, I'll read it, too. Now, you make sure that you get through your sixth puberty here once we get off the phone, okay? This you is make crazy. Sure. My voice just keeps I don't know what's going on. It's like on. Peter Brady right here. It's like I'm in the Brady Bunch episode. I love it. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate you. Get 5%. better. That's a Bob Kravitz. BobKravitz.com. The ever-changing voice. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from Pro Football Focus. Brad Spielberger is with us. Hello, Brad. How are you? 
Hey, doing well. How you doing? All right. With the teams that they face um, coming up here, um, certainly next week, well, Sunday in Nashville, and then after that in Cincinnati, how do you think the Colts can deal with this? They do have an adequate backup who has shown that he can produce in Zach Moss. I hate the fact that Taylor's going to miss time, but at least you have that going for you. You do, you do. Moss obviously stepped in and was a good player in all facets of the game. Um, you know, not just early down runs, but even showing some development and growth as a pass catcher and pass protector. I think it's it's good that Cincinnati's on there. They've struggled against the run this year. Tennessee always shows up fairly well in that category, but um, some injuries and, and just poor seasons from their edge defenders. I think you can run off tackle against them. Um, you know, Shane Steichen's going to find a way to dial some things up, create some yards before contact. So, yeah, not a great development, not a good sign. I think Taylor was starting to look like the Jonathan Taylor we're used to watching yeah. each and every Sunday. But, um, you know, you know you have a capable backup that will inspire confidence in the offensive line and the play caller because they've seen it this year. Um, that, that, that is the, the uh, silver lining of what's happening here. So Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus with us, and, and you brought up just now the fact that Taylor was rounding into shape, rounding into form. What are some of the things that you noticed in him doing that? 91 yards certainly had a couple of touchdowns on Sunday and that went over Tampa Bay, but beyond just you know the numbers, for example, what are some of the things you have seen in the growth back to traditional form for Jonathan Taylor over the past couple of games? Yeah, I think there was a, a grown confidence in just hitting the hole quickly uh, you know, and really just trusting what his eyes were showing him like, I think we can't overlook sometimes. I guess it's kind of the position now where we've had the most holdouts. But a lot of these guys in the first couple of weeks, you know, you look at a Josh Jacobs in Las Vegas. You look historically at some of the players that have at least skipped camp and skipped time. It's not only just adjusting to getting hit and, and getting back up and, and all the components that come with running back play, but I think it's really – Seeing blocks develop in front of you, maybe you explode through a hole too quickly and don't have that patience to let a gap really open up and develop based on, you know, is there a pulling blocker or are they, is it a gap scheme, a zone scheme? Like, what are you actually looking at? And I think there was a little bit of that with Taylor early on where he wasn't as patient as we've seen from him in the past. So this week I thought he was great. I thought he really was just waiting, letting things develop. This is a very good run defense in Tampa. Um, so a good matchup in particular to see that he forced five missed tackles for us in this game, uh, which is a very strong number on 16 attempts. Yeah, he looked like Jonathan Taylor. All right, presently, Brett Spielberger, PFFs on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, seventh in the wild card AFC situation right now, and you get you know Nashville, the Titans coming up on Sunday, and the schedule the rest of the way is at least eyeball wise very soft in terms of the Colts. Where do you and PFF have it as far as potentially the Colts being able to lock down a playoff slot when it's said and done? Yeah, like you mentioned, the schedule is, is somewhat favorable, so there really is a path forward. We right now have it at a 42% chance that they make the playoffs. You might wonder, you know, why is it not above 50% when they're in the playoff picture right now and do have some winnable games? But, you know, it's all tied to our power rankings. Uh, and the strength of schedule going forward is favorable per this. We have them at 
the 26th uh, hardest schedule, so the whatever that is, eighth, seventh easiest schedule going forward. Um, but, you know, uh, of course, plenty to see it happen. Plenty to see continued good play um, from this team. But, yeah, around a 50% making it. I think any Colts fan would take that, um, you know, after the Anthony Richardson injury and really just coming into the year, um, you know, say, hey, we're going to week 13 and you have about a 42% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, that, that's a success in my eyes. Uh, in the offseason, they, they make a change at offensive line coach Chris Strasser uh, let go and Tony Sperano Jr. was brought in. How have you and your colleagues at PFF examined this Colts offensive line? And they've had to piece some things together here too because of injury, whether we're talking about with Ryan Kelly missing games or Braden Smith at right tackle missing games. How has this offensive line looked for the better part of the season, especially as we hit the stretch run in 2023? I think you've seen some really encouraging signs. So not only the players that we already knew were very good, you know, your Clinton Nelson, your Ryan Kelly's, your Braden Smith, just getting back to playing more fo- the football that we're used to seeing. I think the really encouraging sign is the second half of the season, the continued emergence and growth of Bernard Ryman at left tackle, and then even a Will Fry at right guard as well. And I, I will say this, position coaches matter a ton, and you're going to get development from different players. Um, you know, based on who was coaching them on a day-to-day basis, on their technique and all of those things. But I do think the juxtaposition of a Shane Stuckin coming to Indy and all these guys, you know, grading out better and showing up better in various metrics, coupled with Frank Wright goes to Carolina, um, and a lot of those guys look like they've regressed or have played worse. And I say that to say the scheme is also probably protecting these players and, and making their jobs and their lives easier Um, You know, Reich comes from a tree where they ask a lot of their offensive linemen. They leave their tackles on islands a bunch. They don't benefit from pre-snap motion, play action. It's a lot of gap scheme, a lot of winning your one-on-ones, which, of course, you need to do to a degree. But I think Steichen comes in, um, you know, and and a lot of chip help, a lot of keeping tight ends in, um, you know, doing various different things to make their job easier. So, yeah, offensive line coach, sure, but I also think the actual run game scheme um, is benefiting them as well. How does uh, PFF view the job as a rookie head coach Shane Steichen has done to this point? About as good as you could possibly ask. I mean, truly, um, I think, you know, personally, he's like should be in the running. He's not actually going to get in the conversation, but he's a coach of the year candidate in my eyes. I mean, still, what, they've had one game now without 20-plus points, you know, in Germany against the England Patriots and a defense that, you know, even with injuries, is still causing problems for a lot of opposing teams. Um, you know, consistently moving the football, still showing up good in, in early scripted drives, in the first drives out of second halves. Um, you, you know, it just the consistency with which the team is playing with a Gardner Minshew, Gardner Minshew, who very capable backup, you know, a, a smart guy, a guy that can corral, you know, a, a locker room and, and a huddle and an offense, but, you know, has had some really poor footwork and pocket presence and made some mistakes and they've found ways to overcome all of those things. I, I genuinely think Steichen has done as good a job as any coach in the NFL this year. Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I mentioned, too, the matchup in Nashville for the Colts coming up again on Sunday is with 4-7 and seven Tennessee. You just described what has gone right to this point for 6-5 and five Indy. What has gone most haywire for the Titans to be 4-7 and seven at this point of the season? 
Yeah, I think it's a lot of things we kind of already knew coming in. I mean, the offensive line is probably the worst offensive line in football. You know, and then they get Nicholas Petit Frere back from a gambling suspension, but then he unfortunately gets hurt. Uh, and he had actually replaced Andre Dillard, their free agent signing, as the starting left tackle. So he goes down. So Dillard's back in the lineup. Um, you know, Peter Skaronsky, the rookie's been good at left guard. Actually, like their draft class, kind of overall has played some good ball. But this is just not a talented roster. Um, you know, the pass catchers outside of DeAndre Hopkins, there's no one that's reliable on a week-to-week basis whatsoever. On uh, defense, you know, a guy like a Harold Landry, who's been a very good player for a long time. Unfortunately, so far it's early, but the post ACL tear. Air, Harold Landry is not the same player. Um, so that unit is kind of Jeffrey Simmons and a bunch of bodies, you know, as well. I like Imani Hooker at safety, some other guys. But, but yeah, like, not to oversimplify it, I, I think it's one of the least talented rosters in the NFL. All right. So Will Levis goes in and had an outstanding first game. Slide that aside. How has the rookie quarterback from Kentucky looked since? Yeah, he, he has come back down to earth a little bit. And, and some of the particular issues that popped up in college, um, holding on the ball for a very long time and taking some unnecessary hits was always an issue with him. Had a very high pressure to sack rate where, you know, just doesn't throw the ball away or scramble in time or stands in too long and just takes some shots. So, so that has creeped up a little bit as well. And then there's just – you watch his Kentucky tape, and as talented as, as he is, as toolsy as he is, and as – Good at times, as you saw, touch passes from him and, and things of that nature. There are a couple snaps a game where either the velocity and the trajectory would just not match with what was required of him on a given throw, and he would just throw these kind of like unnecessary darts and lasers sometimes. Um, he would air some throws over guys' heads. So it's like it's a little bit of that, like almost like a pitcher. Like, does he have his stuff on a given day? Like, his slider is not, not cutting – you know, his curveball's not breaking. Like, that just kind of pops up here and there. He was great against Pittsburgh. It's been more of a struggle since. But I do still think there's a lot of good there. The talent is evident. I like his end-of-first-half drive against Tampa. Uh, you know, getting in field goal range, driving down, making some good decisions, managing the game well. Uh, I still believe in the guy long-term because he's talented. But, but you are seeing some of the Kentucky issues pop up now, um, you know, on a more consistent basis. All right, uh, major concern, if there is one, for the Colts. And, and again, it's not like the Colts are that much better than really anybody out there at 6-5. and five. Um, You have to be on guard against with Tennessee still, even with a 4-7 and seven disappointing team. Yeah, no, you do. you, you got to be on guard. You, you can't overlook any opponent in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, and... DeAndre Hopkins also can certainly take advantage of the secondary. You know, there are ways right. and matchups that you could point to to where you don't love the matchup for the Colts in particular. I think this would have been a great game for Grover Stewart to be there um, against, you know, a Derrick Henry and a run game that's going to cause problems for anybody. So there are certainly ways and, 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 you know, outcomes that I see where Tennessee wins this game just based on a couple key matchups swinging in their favor, you know, because also – I mentioned Tennessee is a very good run defense. They're, they're susceptible in coverage, but can Gardner Minshew take advantage of that to the level that you'd like? Um, Roger McCreary, I think, is the best corner in Tennessee right now, and he probably should get a lot of slot snaps against Josh Downs, who's been the most you know explosive player. Obviously, Pittman is you know, a 10-catch a game guy right now, but can he get you those explosive gains on a consistent basis? That's a little bit more down to a degree. So, 
yeah, cannot overlook this opponent, divisional game, all of those things, but also just on a matchup basis, I do think some things do swing in Tennessee's favor here. Well, does Buffalo look pretty done to you at 6-6? Six and six? Well, their schedule going forward is an absolute gauntlet, so, so that doesn't make it any easier, right? Like they, They're already you know, looking uphill, trying to figure things out, and we have them with the third hardest schedule in the NFL the rest of the way. Yeah, kind of. They, they are probably cooked to me just because their defense is – you know, everyone's talking about Josh Allen, who I think has been exceptional. Yeah, too many turnovers, sure, but um, the defense is cooked. I mean, they are just – they can't get consistent pressure – um, you know, Von Miller is not really Von Miller anymore. The secondary is a problem. Um, I, I, they could sneak in as a wild card. It wouldn't shock me because the offense, I still think, is a top five offense in the NFL. Um, but it's just, it's hard to, like, they can't play complimentary football. You know, Sean McDermott, frankly, has not been good enough as a game manager or a defensive coordinator. Um, I, I find it hard to see them getting in, uh, you know, just given who they play the rest of the way. So Brad Spielberger of PFF. We know that Houston six and five had a fifty-four yard field goal that hit the crossbar, and then they cut the kicker yesterday that missed that fifty-eight yarder. But still, at six and five in place, and still getting a high level of play from their rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud. How good has he been compared to what you and your colleagues at PFF felt as a rookie this season? I think the biggest thing for him that it was really fascinating because it even popped up in the Georgia game last year was he was our most accurate quarterback in all of college football. His last two seasons at Ohio state, he was the highest graded quarterback in the country from a clean pocket. And that is the most stable statistic for quarterbacks, particularly from college to pro is how they perform in a clean pocket. You know, that means no pressure, um, you know, and just a standard drop back throwing. And so, that has carried over. He is, he is one of the highest-graded quarterbacks from a clean pocket again, actually the highest-graded throwing 10-plus yards downfield in the entire NFL. The thing that it surprised myself in particular, and I, I guess the company at large, his grade under pressure in college last year was not even a top 100 mark in the FBS. Um, and so we wondered, when he's under siege, when he's, when he's dealing with pressure, is that going to cause so many problems for him that he can't overcome? And the weirdest thing was the Georgia game, you know, the best college defense maybe ever, he was, he was exceptional in, in that particular subset. And that has carried over. It's bizarre for a one-game sample in college to kind of be what we're now seeing on a weekly basis. So I, I had no issues with him. I think he was going to be bad. Um, I think he's a legitimate MVP candidate this year. I, I certainly did not see that coming. Uh, again, Brad Spielberger with us. I'm curious. So we didn't talk last week, and uh, Shaquille Leonard got waived here, and he showed up at the game on Sunday. They had a video of him, all that. But this week, it seems like he gets back down to business of trying to be a part of a team, whether it's in Dallas, reportedly, or Philadelphia has also been mentioned. Does he find a seat on somebody else's team this week? I do. I think it kind of works out for him that some of these contenders, particularly the two you just mentioned in the NFC East, um, really do need linebacker. You know, Dallas loses Leighton Vander Esch probably for the year. The rookie, DeMarvion Overshone, who was a promising guy in camp, uh, it sounded like. You know, he goes out for the year of the torn ACL. They've had some other injuries there as well. Um, they could certainly use him. I'm not shocked that was the first visit he took. And then Philadelphia doesn't really invest in the position, but the guys they do have – are your early down run stuffing sideline to sideline type players. They are not, you know, your, your coverage guys that can play the will spot and, and drop in coverage and, 
you know, run Tampa 2 and do all these various different things that at his peak, you know, Leonard was probably as good as anyone in the league at doing. And so even if he's not quite the same guy with all the injuries he's had, I think his particular skill set it would be so valuable to both of those teams. And as we know, like, if there's one thing that's going to spur a signing, you know, it's two division rivals competing for for a division, for an NFC one seed, whatever you want to say. Um, that would help Leonard out for sure as those two teams bidding for his services. Um, I do. I think it gets done here in the near future. All right. What are you writing about at PFF, Brad? Yep. So we're bringing back a segment from earlier in the year that is it's our team needs tracker. So we're looking at, you know, based on the season-long grade at each position group, what do teams need to address in both free agency and the draft? So we talk about a position group, and then we highlight one particular free agent and one particular draft you know, prospect that those teams that fit from a schematic standpoint, that makes sense from a value standpoint of where they would select them um, or how much they would sign them for. And we write all that up for all, all 32 teams in the NFL. Well, we'll check that out as usual. Good to have you back on on this Tuesday, too. We missed you last week, brother. I appreciate you having me back. Brad, anytime. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Brad Spielberger, uh, pro football focus on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Greg Rakestraw joins us right now. Hello, Greg. Hello, sir. So do you make the uh, instant transition from football to basketball, high school-wise? I had a couple of games last week, so I had Trinity Lutheran in South Decatur Tuesday, Frankfurt Tri-West, I'm sorry, Tri-West and Cascade on Wednesday and I have Attics in North Central tonight, and then it goes uh, full-scale hoops with uh, some pretty significant events, starting with the Sneakers for Santa shootout on Saturday in Brownsburg. So uh, there is no rest for the wicked nor the weary. All right, I want to get to you on a, a couple of different things. Too. Were you surprised that uh, the O'Neill kid from Cathedral decided to go ahead and uh, pull out his um, his Colorado and go someplace else? And I kind of wonder if you, you think you know where he's going to end up going commitment-wise. I don't really know because obviously we had him a couple of times in terms of the uh, you know the playoffs had their sectional final against LM and the regional game which was a fantastic game against Ben Davis but but even though I know a lot of folks at the Cathedral program we don't kind of follow them on a regular basis so I don't have those kind of ties to give you an idea as to where he might be heading nothing surprises me in recruiting anymore um, it strikes me as amazing that you'll have. And this is not to bag on the kid or any kid that does this. It's just the changing nature of it. You'll have a guy make a commitment, you know, even the summer of his junior year or fall of his of his junior year, and the world changes 15 times over now between that and, and the moment they actually already set foot on campus. Um, I think he is that level of player. He showed me that level of toughness uh, in the way he competed in that game against Ben Davis. So I'm not exactly sure where he's heading, but I guarantee you someplace of a major college variety will offer him a scholarship, and he'll be on that campus come January. Greg Raystraw joins us. What's IU need in a head coach? <laughs> they need a lot. Uh, and, and I think it is just as important, if not more so, 
that whom they have in a head coach comes with the war chest needed to be able to beat to compete. And let's on and let's be honest, Indiana has upgraded their facilities significantly. Everybody in the Big Ten has. That is the result of the last 15 years of the Big Ten network and escalating television revenue and things like that. But now it's, you know, we, we've asked IU, hey, spend more on coaches. They've done that. We've asked IU, hey, spend more on facilities. Hey, they've done that. Now it's, hey, let's spend more on players. And, and, and so that's the next frontier. And, and is there enough to do that and be successful? So the next head coach needs to be dynamic, needs to be a great recruiter, you know, I've heard say I've heard some talk about well he needs to be an offensive guy because the last guy was a defensive guy. Um, I, I'm not sure that I think it has to be the case. Uh, having some level of knowledge in terms of dealing in a Power Five or now Power Four program would be great. You know whether it's guys that that have ties here like obviously Kane Womack or like Justin Fry. Um, you know those certainly catch my attention. Guys like Paul Christ and Dan Mullen, you know, catch my attention as well that have won in similar uh, positions or have won in this league, you know, as, as Paul certainly did as well. Uh, but I, I think just as important as whom the head coach is going to be, I, I think it's really about how big is the war chest going to be and what is the appetite for boosters and donors spending more money in football when you haven't had the results to get there to this point. And I've said this, uh, and really I was talked into this by a booster. Dan Wetzel helped me a little bit yesterday in terms of what is necessary. And and I view, don't get me wrong, the, the head coach, incredibly important. But to me, and and from you know what they tell me, it's most important to make sure what you're talking about right now is adequate, and growing because if you're a team like IU playing football in you know the newly now going to be stacked Big Ten once again, that is a way that you can work around what has been the past and shortcomings compared you know to other schools and their football programs of history in the Big Ten is by you know bringing in those players, paying those players, bring them in. Whereas you know maybe the importance of paying a lot of money for a head coach that declines a little bit compared to bringing in top players that can help you know a school that historically doesn't have the type of winning that that obviously the other teams do within the Big Ten just going about it under the rules that are set and put forth right now is maybe more of an angle than you know going out there and hoping that you're going to find this coach and paying this coach a crap ton of money this this is how I phrase it is this you could argue now that Indiana is amongst the top 34 football programs in the nation. And, and you, you start laughing at that comment immediately. And, and I understand without this qualifying comment that you would. But it's, not, it's almost like it's not the Big Ten and the SEC. It's like the AFC and the NFC. And Indiana has one of the seats at the table. Now you have to, you have to pay like it. You have to be funded like it. Or you run the risk of at some point in time down the road – the pack leaves you and doesn't invite you back in. And I don't care about decades of tradition. I don't care about being a member of the conference dating back to when it was called the Big Six. The University of Chicago was a part of it. It does not matter. Through your affiliations to this point, you are in the Big Ten. Now it expands to 18 teams. Now that is one of the two true super conferences in college football, in college athletics. 
but you're going to have to get that football program finding the right guy. It's about having the funding to find about 50 of the right guys that'll actually wear helmets and shoulder pads going forward. It's like Greg Rickster on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. If you're IU, would you consider Pat Fitzgerald? Um, I would consider it, but you'd have to do a heck of a lot of due diligence. And I'm not sure if we truly have the answers to exactly what went down at Northwestern to where I, I'm not sure I'd be going down that road. Uh, and I think there's enough – I frankly think there is a, is enough other candidates we have to deal with that. And secondarily, I think you can also say that while he won at Northwestern more consistently than anybody else – didn't exactly. I mean, think of his last couple of years at Northwestern. They weren't exactly overly great. You know, they made, they made the Big Ten championship recently. They also won a you know, minuscule amount of games recently too. I'm I'm not sure if I'd be hitching uh, or putting all my eggs in that basket at this point if I were if I were IU. Uh, you're number one in West Lafayette for the football program under new guidance and leadership. What'd you think overall? Um, maybe that built bit of this. Um. I mean, they, they won three Big Ten games in the week or half. You beat IU. It's not exactly a high bar. You had way too difficult of a non-conference schedule. And so, um, is how I would describe it. Uh, it could, could have been a whole lot better. I, I guess it could have been worse. Um, and now let's see, let's see kind of Ryan Walters, what he learns after year one as a head coach going into year number two. And again, now let's see – with the transfer portal and all the same things I said about IU, let's see exactly what the war chest looks like for Purdue. Let's see how, how active uh, and aggressive they are in upgrading the football talent. Um, so so I wouldn't put it as, as great, certainly. wouldn't put it as bad. Put it somewhere in the middle. All right, basketball-wise, well, Boilermakers, number one in the nation for good reason. And we're not going to know really any answers until you get to the end of March. Those were When everything's going to be answered, and then obviously the biggest of Band-Aids will be placed on you know the Boilermaker fans of the basketball program out there. But in what way so far this season have you seen them on a different course than than maybe what you expected things that obviously can translate into ncaa long-term tournament success a little more depth a little more athleticism at the guard position just having another year of experience for braden smith and for fletcher lawyer um but this team's been really good in november and december and january and february and early march and i and i'm trying to make sure that i am just being a fan and able to, because I really love watching them play. Um, and again, because there are so many kids that I know and covered them as high school basketball players. They're a team that I want to be successful, but I'm not sure there's any answer you can give that isn't, I've seen this before. Let me know what happens from March 22nd on. And I use that specific date because I think they're going to be seated high enough to where they're, their games are played at Gamebridge Fieldhouse because the first and second rounds are here in Indianapolis this year. Um, I, I want to see this team get past weekend one. Then I want to see them get past the Sweet 16. And so there, there are attributes I can point to and say, hey, I think this team is better here than they were a year ago. And Miles Colvin adds to that mix as well. But just given the recent track record, get me to March 22nd. And, and then yep. let's all hope for something different and better 
If you're not a U fan, you don't feel that way. If you're kind of neutral like me, I want to see these guys win a national championship. I realize the goal is first goal is Final Four, get back there for the first time in 44 years. I get that. I want to see him win the whole stinking thing, but I will be somewhat skeptical until they at least get past the first week in the NCAA tournament. Number one, Purdue gets zero and six Texas Southern later on tonight. That's at eight thirty. Then both IU and Purdue start the Big Ten campaign coming up this Friday night. I think IU, Maryland, and Purdue Northwestern, if memory serves, right there coming up on Friday to start the Big Ten. All right, five and one, my Sycamores and Josh Shirts. They get Southern Illinois. The Salukis four and one at the Holman Center later on tonight. What's uh, Indiana State look like so far? Indiana State's really good, um, and, and again, it's it's really good at a different level, but yet it's the type of team that I think that can be successful in the NCAA tournament and knocking off a team or two. Uh, bringing the Swope kid from USI, bringing Ryan Conwell back home, who played at Pike from South Florida. As you've heard me say before, Abel is the goods. Yeah. The fact that Indiana State kept him for a second year is pretty impressive. Um, Josh Schertz is coaching his team to a level where I worry about Josh not being in Indiana State next year because somebody else has gobbled him up. So uh, Is, you know, is Avila like a player of the year in the Mo Valley type of guy? Certainly, potentially. You know, as a team, I think Indiana State was picked to finish fourth. I think maybe they're even better than that. Um, you know, Drake seemingly is the favorite heading in, but I don't think Indiana State's that far off. I mean, one of the best teams in the Valley – and again, the, the ultimate compliment I can pay Josh Shirts is like when other coaches, you know, say that guy runs good stuff or they're trying to emulate what a team does offensively, that's the best compliment I can play. Josh was that guy at Lincoln Memorial where other coaches were kind of saying, okay, how can we play like he plays? That's the ultimate sign of respect. And people have that for Josh. Uh, that, that was a great hire they made to bring him there. And I think I think that hire pays off potentially in spades this year. Uh, Ball State and Michael Lewis five and one on the road tonight versus Little Rock at two and four. That's a seven thirty start too. Greg Rakestraw is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Greg, I appreciate that. Get get going here. It's time to get geared up for a little high school basketball. Seven thirty on my Andy TV. Tune in North Central Addicts. Addicts is really really good. Talented. We'll have them a bunch along with Kokomo, especially kind of in December, all these kind of major events we have on Saturday. So I'll be seeing the Flying Tigers a whole lot, starting with this evening's kind of I remember Addicts back in the day. L&M, I think 1984, one of the best teams in the state, single-class basketball, I want to say 1984, and they played at North Davies High School, and Addicts traveled down to play them. They wanted to get a tougher team on the schedule, and Addicts back then was on that schedule. I always thought that was cool as hell. Doubt about that. All right, buddy. I appreciate you. Be good.